Hey, this is Susan Green. Howdy, everybody. This is Colter Fleming. And welcome to the Backstage Travel Podcast. Colter, how are you? Apparently I- late. I mean, <laughs> you know. I have I mean, to give you crap about being late. You know, unbelievable. I'm very, very important. Oh, oh, yeah. And so <laughs> punctual yourself. I am. <laughs> My husband seriously comes home, and almost every day when he comes home, he says to me, I go, hey, how are you? And he goes, how are you? I go, I got to go. I have a meeting. And he's like, every time I come home, that's what you say. He goes, I'm starting to get a complex. I go, today I go, hey, I got to go. I have the podcast. He goes, uh-huh. And I'm like, no, no, I really do. I have to go up there. I go, we're filming. Er- filming. We're doing it early. He's like, right, right. So, um, so, so we were just, we were talking like earlier in this week, and you're saying, you know, things have been pretty busy, right? Like things have been picking up for yeah, you. Huh? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's been um, it's been fun to have people get excited about travel. Um, nothing super profound. I mean, I guess um, the biggest thing is trying to explain to people the differences right now in what's going on, like with having to have a test when you come back. Um, what is the testing like for different places that you're going? I had somebody ask me yesterday that said, "Oh, I heard like they knew it was truth." that um, when they go to Europe, they're going to have to be vaccinated. And I said, that is not a truth yet. That could be, but that's not a truth yet. And it's I being said, talked about. it's being talked about. And I said, but you got, that's part of this whole step is that we have to wait until facts become facts. Right. So when things are not facts, then they become myths. And then people get really, really irritated when they contact us. Got to so, watch out for the Facebook experts. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like I'm combating the same thing all day long and yeah. that gets a little frustrating, um, but it is, it's fun. It's fun listening to people um, talk about uh, different places they want to go. And I have a lot of honeymooners, but I also now I'm starting to get more families. I'm starting to get more people that are um, like multi-gen. I just had somebody that's like 10 people that want to go to Mexico this summer. That's good. Um, I have not gotten a lot of um, hey, we want to go, and we found this price online. I don't get that almost ever. Um, what I do get is, gosh, shouldn't the prices be a lot lower? And I have to educate them on, okay, we're down to 40% of flights, um, less people traveling, hotels are not up to capacity. So, like, Supply stuff like end. that. Yeah. yeah. But um, but it is. It's fun. I mean, you know, it reminds me of why I like my job. Um, it is. I'm excited for some other areas to open. I can't wait for Europe to open. I can't wait for Fiji, of course, that we're talking about today. I can't wait for that to open. Um, but it is. It's been fun. But I know your life is all about meetings. So Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been feeling it too. Like, the, there's a lot more inquiries coming in, you know, more, more calls, more emails, more people what? wanting help with marketing and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, I it's help fun. With marketing. So I've learned, you, I help today. you every day. That's all we talk about. <laughs> no, no, you don't no, need learned, that much like, help. I don't You're like a social media guru. No, I don't call you enough. I don't have you help me enough. No, I've, I've learned, I've learned other people are taking away from my culture time. <laughs> so, so you guys just went to Hawaii, right? We did. So we were originally supposed to go to um, Barbados with some friends. And then my husband said, well, then they said that Barbados said, hey, we're going to put you in a quarantine for three days. And we were like, wow, that sounds fun. Sounds well, We could do that at time. home. Yeah. <laughs> we've That's already done that. basically what we've been doing. Thanks, yeah. Barbados. So then we switched to the Bahamas. And I was looking at Dan at the beginning of February. And I went, I get the feeling that you don't want to go someplace that you might get stuck. I don't care. I have my laptop. And he's like, that wouldn't be awesome. So I said, well, where would you like to go? And so we had never been to Oahu. So what was great about it was we learned how to do the test before. Mackenzie, our wonderful engineer, did a fun video of us taking the test at home. And um, I like that. That was funny. Yeah, we could use our miles, which was great because we got first class for so many less miles than you can normally do. And we got to go to Oahu, which we had never done. So we had um, we had a really, really fun time. It, it was actually the first time in a long time we had been on a trip alone. And um, because I already get up early, I got up really early. And then I would work for about four hours. And then Dan would get up. And then we had the whole day. He just thought it was cold. And I was like, oh, to not be in menopause. You're so cute. What, was it that different than Arizona? Like, was it just breezy and windy? It was breezy, but like the water was cold. And oh, then we were, you'll laugh. So we're at the we're at the ocean at Waikiki, and there's this two ladies in front of us. We've heard their I know their entire life story. I know about their uh, cousin who has cancer. I know everything. And I look over at Dan and I go, 
I've gotten a lot better, haven't I? Because I've normally been that loud person that's like, let me tell you my whole life story. And they were like, blah, 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 blah. Dan's like, oh my God. They're like, like almost like they're telling us their social security number. They were very nice and stuff, but like the whole beach do everything about them. And I look over and I go, I got a lot better. Like that commercial where it's like, they're, they're yeah. just TMI and all those various situations. Yeah, like, I bought four pregnancy tests. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and anyway, it was, it was totally like that. And I'm like, and she was trying to be nice to people. And then my best friend was like, Hey, are there hot people on the beach? And I was like, not really. <laughs> where did you guys stay? Uh, we stayed at the Prince Waikiki, which oh. is um, Libby, who was on our podcast. She, yeah. Uh, and I will tell you, it is stunningly beautiful. I've never stayed in a hotel room high rise that the entire wall was glass. And at first we were like, oh, we're so bumming. We don't have a patio to sit out on. And maybe in the summer it's warm. I don't know. It was our favorite thing to do. We had to, we slept with the windows open, the whole window. We stood there overlooked. It was, it was the luxury of that place was so cool. When you came back, it was like, they knew who you were. They, it was not crowded and they were so good about COVID. I mean, my hands are still dry from all the stuff that I touched and we had club level. They got lotion there. for that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. They had club level there and I thought, oh, it's going to be like continental breakfast, right? Like a couple donuts and whatever. Oh no, full meals, like prime rib, like full meals the whole time and drinks and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And this is the one funny story. So Dan is sitting in the hot tub because he's cold and I'm um, laying by the pool and I'm reading and all these millennials are like totally getting into the hot tub with him, which A, is not his idea of fun when there's no COVID. And now it's COVID and they're all talking at the top of their lungs about how they can't get into the sushi place, which is like the only Japanese sushi place on the island. It is so fantastic. And Dan's like, he almost said he almost wanted to go, neener, neener, neener. My wife got us in there. Um, but they're like, oh my God, like, it's like so cool. And like people come from all around to like go there. <laughs> I can Are they from the valley? Well, it was, that's how they were talking. And so he's, oh. reading, he's reading Obama's book. And this girl goes, are you reading that for school? <laughs> and he goes, no. And she goes, then why are you? And he's like, for fun. She goes, uh, oh. Like, it boom, right over her head. And he's like, okay. And he gets out and we're like, yeah, we're too old. Like, we, you could just feel, like, big difference between the... And they, they, they were in there for, like, four hours. So they're right by the pool. I mean, it was great, but we're just laughing going, oh, God, we felt a little old on the trip. But y'all made it to the sushi place, we did. We got in for his birthday. And what was really cool is, is they only allow like eight couples in and they only have three sittings at night. And then they put like this, what are those? Like the covers, like the, oh, I'm drawing a blank on that name. It's like three panel and they put it outside your station. So you're like by yourself and you got to order your food and it had a little train that came out right to your station and you could order and it would come out and bring your food. And then I thought it was cool. <laughs> they put our dirty dishes. I was like, what? But they take them back. And then I got in trouble. They came out and said, ma'am, could you not put the dirty dishes on the train? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, that's so cool, though. You got like, that's not what it's used for. I'm like, right. whatever. It was very fun. We came back and um, got a lot of people excited about it. Yeah, uh, we went to the Disney. We went to the Disney property. I shouldn't even say this. It's the only time Dan and I got in a fight because I'm like, babe, it's great. We'll totally just park here. We'll walk around. And he, and he doesn't like to go with the flow like that. And I'm like, just follow my lead. And so the guy, of course, is like, do you have a room here? And I'm like leaning over him while he's driving. I'm like, no, but I'm a travel agent. And this it's is cool. totally cool. And they told me to come and we could just walk around. And Dan's like this, like holding on to the steering wheel really tight. So then we park and nobody's following protocol there. Uh, maybe they are, but like nobody's following it. And <laughs> there's 8 million kids. And I look at him and I'm like, do you want to go? He's like, I want to go. I want to go home. I want to go back. He's done. <laughs> and I go, let's go back to our hotel. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go back. I I'm done. I don't ever want to stay here. I'm like, if we had small children, our daughters and son would have loved this when they were little. He's like, but I wouldn't. I go, yeah, but when we were 30, maybe we would have really liked it. But I mean, like kids are jumping off the rocks and in this lazy river. And I'm like, Ugh. like everything in me was like, I don't want to be here. That was so you guys got out and explored a little bit too. It sounds like. We drove the whole island. We were looking yeah. for Jack Johnson. 
Um, what's great about Hawaii right now is everything is open except for individual bars. So everything else is open. If the restaurant has a bar, it's open, but everything's open, but the population size is very low and it usually brings in a very large Asian population, but they're not coming because they get quarantined when they go home. Mm. So the population there is very small where it normally would be very high. The tourist population. Tourism, yeah. So the yeah. tourism there is just, so everything's open. So mm. we, there was no, really no crowds, no lines, no nothing. We had, a, we had a blast. Loved it. I came back. People are wanting to go there, which is really fun. And I'm glad that I know another island because they are so different. You know, you don't have to take a COVID test to come back and it's a different place to go. So yeah. now you dropped your mom off at camp last week. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> 1,200 miles to, to Bozeman and then on to Gardner. Um, she's spending the summer, I guess the season, fulfilling a teenage dream of working and living in Yellowstone. Basically, yeah, I dropped her off. In Gardner, Montana, on Monday. Is that at the had, foot of the mountains? That yeah, that, I, I posted that last night. Um, that was in Livingston, um, like an hour away from Gardner. Okay. Um, she's she's working at the Gardner Market, which is uh, at the northern entrance to Yellowstone. It's super cute. She's wanted to do this since she was a teenager, and she figures now is like sort of the time to do it. But the story that I was going to tell you was. <laughs> We, we went to Bozeman and my mom had been up there like two summers ago with some girlfriends, which I think is sort of where this idea rebirthed. And she really wanted to take me to Ted's Montana Grill to try bison, which is what her friend who uh, organized the trip took her out there. Have you had bison before? No, no, I don't think oh. so. <clears throat> I've had other weird meats, but no bison. So the, our final dinner is supposed to be at Ted's Montana Grill. Mo- Mother-son bonding the whole way, all that. And so she was really excited about it, built it up. It's the only kind of planned meal that we had the entire weekend. And we got there and literally, like, she just full-on Karen's out. Like, it was so... <laughs> It was so amazing. She even wrote a three paragraph Yelp review. She was so mad. I mean, basically we order, we order a filet, a baked potato and asparagus to split. And she orders some bread. Bread never shows. At a steak place. Like how hard is that? Right. I order a a beer, she orders a wine. If if you did that for me, I'd be like, oh crap. This is, and we're, we're just going to share it, right? It's going to be very easy. We're thinking about walking the Aww. town, grabbing coffee and ice cream after. Well, the filet, yeah, they come back 10 minutes later and they say, sorry, we're out of filet. You can have the special. Okay, no problem. So they bring the filet and the asparagus. And when they do that, this is, you know, another five minutes later, they say, well, we're out of baked potatoes. She's like, okay. So, so they're out of two things, basically. Bread never shows up. Then she wants to speak to a manager. Manager doesn't show. They come no! back again. They offer they offer ice cream. She's like, I don't want ice cream. I just want a manager. She just full on put on her little, you know, Karen attitude That's and just so was awesome. so mad. She felt so disappointed. It was hilarious. I wanted That's to awesome. die. But I was going to say, you must have been dying. Uh, I hate those situations like that. Oh, yeah. My husband would have shit a brick if we had that kind of. It was so small, but it was like. It, it mattered to her and like, she felt disappointed and like, yeah, I have to, I have to share with you the Yelp review she wrote. It was ridiculous. Oh, I and I was like, okay, way to go, Karen. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny that someone couldn't go, oh, by the way, we know we're out of this, 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 this at the same time. I think it was the communication. Yeah. And then they kept coming back and being like, oh, sorry, we just found out no more baked potatoes. And we're like, okay, what do you got then? Like, yeah. Cereal. Yeah, yeah. We had a, we had a blast, bonded with Mama Joy. You know, excited. Maybe maybe we'll get back up there this summer so I can adventure a little more. But yeah, I've never fun. been there. I would love to go there. How fast really did beautiful. you drive? What was the fastest you drove in Montana? Well, I mean, you can you can drive ninety, no problem. I mean, because there's 80, uh, eighty miles an hour speed limits, but I mean, you're going ninety and people are passing you in certain places. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, well, I'm excited well, that's for a her. Great and, thing that you did. That's so good. I hope my kids someday are like, mom, will you go take me on a trip that you aren't paying for? My daughter's like, (laughs) she just said, "Mm, my kids will go on trips with me as long as I'm paying and I'm taking. I mean, if my husband took me on a trip that he had planned, I think I'd shit a brick. I'd also be pissed because I'd be like, 
how am I getting paid? I'm way too type A. I'd be like, right. and what CRM you, did you put that in? And where are we going? And did we get the best rate? Did you email the manager to tell him that I'm VIP? I'm just right. curious. Just let me, just let me get my, you know, my business in here. I'm stoked to talk about Fiji today. I can't yes. wait to bring on our guest. We met a couple months ago, you know, all of us for the first time on a virtual happy hour, you know, when that was sort of the thing last summer. I know. And I think we just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg on her personality. And I think you guys really clicked and that was just a lot of fun. So we wear the same glasses. I have my blue ones on today. She's wearing my black ones right now. We literally wear the same exact glasses. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. No, I agree. I agree. I remember meeting her at that Fiji um, tourism because I remember that's how we also met Stu, you know, and it was like hearing everyone. And I remember thinking, I need to learn a lot about Fiji and it sounds amazing. And I'm so glad I invested in that. But yes, I agree with you. And everyone's like, we know Coulter, we know Coulter. And then I was like, I really got to know Coulter more. He's got to answer his phone for me first. I do every time, <laughs> except when you call at 7 a.m. I just don't understand. I just know that if you don't answer your work phone, I know where to call. I've actually My never had that power, but you know. I could. Just know I could. And I have your wife's number. I could totally stalk you. Yeah, my mom's too. I know. I do have your mom's. I could call so many. Oh. I could call Natalie. I have I have a plethora of people. Don't ever piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> you know you love me. Okay. Anyhow, Ruth is my people. Her history, by the way, I don't think we have enough time on our podcast to go through all of her amazing jobs. I think we should just bring her on. I would love that. Ruth. Bula. 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 Yes, now I know how to say that. Bula, which is um, Fijian for hello, health, welcome, everything you can think of. I am the regional manager for North America for Tourism Fiji. Got it. There you go. That's a great title. Okay, let's just go over real quick what Tourism Fiji is. Um, it's a government-funded marketing organization which works to promote leisure and business travel to the Fiji Islands. Is that sort of a quick little description? That is our boilerplate. Boilerplate. In PR lingo, that is exactly what we do. So we're 100% funded by the Fijian government okay. um, oh. in the form of an annual grant. We have offices throughout the world, and we all work to promote um, based, mostly leisure but some you know business travel down to our our beautiful islands and are you the only person in the united states right now uh no i have a very lean and mean team of three out of our la office and at the moment we're working four days a week but hoping to go back full-time really soon as developments are progressing yeah yeah and fiji's been closed to tourism for some time and so I'm sure that that is bringing up lots of questions, especially right now about when it's going to open and what things look like. So what's the, what's the current environment for you? Yeah, well, um, Fiji closed its borders really early in the whole thing, end of March last year. And yeah. so the great thing about that is Fiji is COVID free. Mm-hmm. Um, we That's have awesome. had a community transmitted case in over 230 days. So, wow. so that's great. Fiji's COVID free. We also have secured enough funding to vaccinate the entire population, which is only, it's less than a million people spread out over a couple hundred islands. The initial vaccines that came through the COVAX program through the World Health Organization has arrived and our initial frontliners at the airport have been vaccinated, the doctors, the, you know, the important people. We have the money and the funding through governments and private donors like Fiji Water and the producers of Survivor. We have enough money to vaccinate all Fijians. And at this point, it is literally just trying to find the vaccines to buy. You know, on one hand, it's great. We're fully funded. We've got the money. uh, And it's just a matter of the timing of getting it all. When are borders going to reopen? Don't know. But trust me, everybody's getting really creative, trying to figure out what a even a mini or a partial reopening might look like so that Maybe we can't go to all 333 islands, but we can go to 50 of our favorites. Right. Wish I could give you a really solid answer. That's great. You know, God willing, Thanksgiving this year, maybe New Year's Eve. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I was reading um, 
in your bio here. I mean, you have done some super interesting things, starting with Grayline Tour Guide in Los Angeles. Can you imagine? I love this story. I like, know. You're going to have to go into this. I mean, can you walk <laughs> us through how you entered into the business of tourism and travel yeah. and sort of like what got you to your current role. Okay. Um, I'll try to be brief. Um, I'm older than I look, or I'm, I think I'm actually, I'm younger than I look, but, um, so it all started. I mean, I loved to travel as a kid. My mom and I used to travel a lot to my grandparents, things like that. But I was, I had the amazing opportunity as a senior in high school to go and spend a year in Venezuela for my senior year of high school as an AFS student, American field services. That started it all. And that was probably to this, day 40 years later the most uh transformational experience i've ever had right really made me who i am i mean i was 16 years old when i arrived down there right wow you want to do a whole other podcast on lo que yo en uh, aprendí in venezuela <laughs> so nice. uh, spanish when you went no, ni, ni palabra. I had studied five years of Francaise in oh, Ecole, but I arrived in Venezuela and other than like burrito and del taco and, you know. The thing <laughs> Did you grow up in L.A., Ruth? I grew up in L.A. So you have a little bit of, of, you know, Chicano Spanish under my belt. But, sure, sure. Um, my husband calls it um, uh, construction Spanish. Right. That's what he speaks. Restaurant, Spanish, whatever. But but I was fluent within three months because I lived with this family that didn't speak English. And I went to a Venezuelan high school where nobody spoke English. So I took all my classes in Spanish. Amazing. So anyway, I came home, um, started college, but I spoke Spanish. And it was a really huge... Uh, tool and immediately started working as a tour guide and working just for some companies doing meet and greet at the airport and la 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 Um, and eventually kind of got a job with a local gray line franchisee and spent many a fun summer doing Hollywood and Beverly Hills tours on the right hand side of the bus you'll see the home of Mr. Coulter Fleming (laughs) no no seriously how many of you remember Coulter Fleming the famous silent film star and people look at each other and they'd start to raise their hands like oh yeah yeah i know coulter yeah i remember him you're like these you're totally lying out your ass of course i was (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so awesome i love that you would have been the best guide i would have loved you so here's what i do we'd be going down rodeo drive through beverly hills right and i'd say to people okay look if we're going to see a celebrity on the tour today this is where we're going to see a celebrity so i'm going to be pointing out some of the shops but if you see someone you recognize just shout it out and point it at them so we can all see so I'd be going down and talking about back then it was Gucci and Bijan and yeah. oh my God, on the right-hand side of the coach, look at the guy in the gray shirt. Look at the guy in the gray shirt. And they all go running over to look at the guy in the gray shirt. And I go, my brother has that same shirt. <laughs> so we had fun. It was a good oh, oh my gosh, that's so much fun. It was, it was great because you picked him up at seven in the morning and you dropped him off at seven at night. And you were basically responsible only for showing him a good time. Right. In 12 hours. And you weren't responsible for their hotel rooms or their meals right. or anything right. like that. So it was a great job. I did that through college. And then that kind of led me into the next crazy career move, which was not what I was supposed to do when I graduated from college. What did you go to school for? I have a degree in journalism. Oh, where'd you go? Cal State Fullerton. Go Titans. Nice. But, but kind of through the gray line job, blah, 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 and after a couple of other career career paths, uh, including a year in the jungles of the Philippines with the Peace Corps, which is a whole other chapter. That oh, my God. I didn't see that in the notes. What I learned in the in the jungles of the Philippines, I came back and I, I got hooked up with Contiki Tours. So if anybody doesn't know what Contiki Tours are, <laughs> it's an Australian-based international tour company but it's it's motor coach bus tours for 18 to 35 year old singles i love what you yes, wrote you it like said it out loud to Coulter. i go i don't sell them for that reason what what do you mean um let's share with what who are the people that go well okay so when you look at people that want to go on a trip and you know, they want to go on a Tori, trip Tori and uh, her friend christy went to europe oh. on a kentucky tour Years ago, oh. made a made a bunch of friends. I'm sure she did. Yes. No. 
<laughs> and it's look, look, look. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk times tier two. I was a Kentucky tour manager in the late eighties, early nineties, and there's, you know, it's a little different now. I mean, people. Yeah, the people people know what you're doing now much yeah, more. Yeah, social so. media ruined the whole thing. Yeah, right. you can't hide as I no, say that no, about serial killers. I go, it's gotta suck to be a murderer. No. Because everyone is going to get a video of you or be able to track you. But back in the 70s, dude, it had to be high rolling on being a serial killer. But that is so true because in the tours yeah. back then, yeah. like you put, you put some random people who are uh -oh. 18 to 24 on a bus in a foreign country and drinking. Oh. So would you like to guess the top three places in North America for a bunch of young drunks to get arrested? and for their Kentucky tour manager to bail them out. I'll give you the first two, because they're going to be obvious. So number one would be Tijuana, Mexico. Oh, that's not fun. And my Spanish came in. <laughs> Señor, ¿cuánto nos van a costar para regresar? You know, ex in the, yeah. Me llamo Susana. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's, that's number one. Okay. okay, number two is obvious, New Orleans, Louisiana. I was going to say New Orleans, yep. Right, one can only imagine. And really surprising, number three, the top place to get arrested if you're a young drunk on a Kentucky tour in America would be the Grand Canyon. Because there's nothing, well, is it because they came from Vegas? No, here's why. Because we, Kentucky used to be at the Grand Canyon every Tuesday and Wednesday night, staying at the beautiful Maswick Lodge in Cabin. Yes. Mm, and, those are so, um, up there. so, so, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot going up in the national parks, right? No. So the national park police used to, um, I'll just say lion wait outside the Maswick bar <laughs> and wait for my, you know, travelers to kind of stumble out of the bar, sometimes wearing a toga or, you know, Oh my God. <laughs> part of their clothes. And so they'd arrest them for being drunk in, in public in a national park. And I'd have to drive down to Tucson and bail them out of jail. So anyway. Oh my God. Isn't that funny though? I love it. That's hilarious. I mean, did you feel like you were their parent? Like, um, no, I was 24. So I was going to say, um, so more like a peer. Tooties on there? Yeah, no, no. But in all honesty, Coulter, to your point, and I, and I always tell people this, that it was the best job training for the future that I ever had. Because on one hand, these group of people who were my age, basically, they had to believe that the party began and ended wherever I took them, right? That Ruth Very was there true. to have a good time. But on the other hand, when I got up and stood on the bar at midnight and said, everybody pay your bill, we're out of the bus is leaving in 10 minutes that they respected you enough and they did it yeah that's and a very difficult it, it, and i didn't i'll tell you they never let me see the results of my first tour they were so bad right so it's it's not it's it's a it's a great great job i i highly encourage anybody who's interested in kind of getting into travel it's a great backdoor way into the business great way to see a bunch of fun places oh i've been to all 50 states throughout canada um i've met people from all around the world because in addition to the aussies and the kiwis we would get um you know kentucky's an international brand so right. we had europeans and south africans right. and israelis and so it, it was amazing i've said that to my kids before we had some people on last time my friend denise from the tahiti tourism denise uh, i can't yeah. pronounce her last name and i said to her she worked on a cruise line that's how she met her husband yes. And yes. I told my kids forever, I'm like, work on a cruise line. Yes. And I said, a couple of reasons. One is everyone should have a job that's really hard, that makes them work hard when they're young. And I said, hours and hours serving, whatever, whatever you do. Yep. And I said, second of all, you will never have that opportunity again to travel and learn. And there's something that's the whole joy of travel. I mean, yes, seeing the world and all that, but also being uncomfortable and having yeah. people speak something different. I say that over and over all those things that you get to learn some of that, like even going to Hawaii, which I know is United States, but being uncomfortable and being in a, in a city that is not my home. Yeah, like I have friends of mine that literally do not leave where they go. They go to the same place every single year. Yeah. Did you ever like fall in love with anyone on your tours? Well, Come on, you're cute. Come on, there had to be some like hot it's in, guys, it's in the right? No, no, but you know what? I, 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 I know you. I was supposed to talk about a travel mishap, and and it was hard for me because there's been so many. Um, <laughs> 
But but let me tell you, so kind of part of the thing with Kentucky is you work from like April through October, which is the season up here. And then most what most of the guides and drivers do is they go and they visit new friends that they've made over the So in my second year, in my second year, I um at the end of my season, I sold everything that I owned in Los Angeles, which was, you know, nothing. And I told my friends and family I was moving to Melbourne, Australia to move in and marry this guy okay and i won't say his name because of social media somebody could find him and (laughs) yes to him it's okay Um, tom cruise it's okay whatever anyway anyway so i got down there and i spent a couple weeks with him in melbourne and the issue was his mother really didn't like me (laughs) i don't i don't understand but whatever so i my ticket to come home was through fiji oh on air pacific back in the day Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to just go into Fiji. So I landed in Fiji. I went to one of Fiji's legacy resorts, nothing fancy. It's called First Landing, just north of the airport, right? Mm -hmm. I arrived a 25-year-old broken-hearted woman. I mean, just at the depths of depression. I had to go home, my my Mm -hmm. head between my tail, the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. And look at Within 24 hours of being in Fiji, the Fijians, in their spirit and their hospitality and their wonderful welcoming, I couldn't even remember the bastard's name back in Melbourne. <laughs> and I yes. knew early on that Fiji was something special and yeah. hugely transformational. And that was in uh, 1990. Wow. So, you know, the good thing is that not a lot has changed in Fiji since yeah, yeah, that's very true. I mean, some has, but but yeah. that that whole and it's it has always been. You can ask my nieces and nephews. You know, when I when Aunt Ruth wins the lottery and moves to Fiji, maybe you can come visit me. But it's always been my happy place. Yeah, um, and that's part of it amazing. was that travel mishap of meeting the wrong man. But it brought me to Fiji. There you go. You found so the silver lining. There you go. There exactly. You go. That's so funny. How long were you in Fiji when you got there? Um, just for about three days for the first time. It was just yeah. a stopover that I, you yeah. know, we booked yeah. to come back and I'm okay. That was it. the first thing when I was on my first zoom with you guys is that everyone that had gone. So I was being a little smart ass on there. Cause everyone kept calling Tahiti, Tahiti. And then I interrupted and said, by the way, it's called the French Polynesia. <laughs> Being a smartass that I am, I was like, Tahiti's an island in the society islands. But everyone that was on there that had been to both, the advisors that were on there, travel agents, said Tahiti is a place that when you leave, you leave your heart there, which is different than you know, oh, it's, I'm not saying that's not even beautiful, but that, you know, it's beauty. And we've been to some of the most beautiful places in the world. I've been lucky enough to travel, but that this is this lure of getting people there. And I think some of it, people don't realize how accessible it is. I find that when I sell Tahiti is people are like, wait, it's that close. They're always surprised that it's an hour, hour and a half farther than Hawaii. And that really, once you're on the airplane and you're flying overnight, who cares if it's two, three more hours? Now, if it's, you know, all the way to South Africa, which, you know, whatever, that's a little bit different. But with that being said, that is the lure for me is to get, I cannot wait to go. I mean, I'm just chopping at the bit to get people. And then the people who have gone and said, you know, how much it changed their life and how different it is and stuff like that. So I am very, very excited about learning more about it. I think that was the call when, I think it was Stephen McKnight who talked about Tahiti is for your eyes, right? And it's, it's, it's absolutely one of the most beautiful places on earth, but Fiji is for your heart. Yes. Yes, and, that is. Yep. Um, and, yep. and, and so I think it was, it was one of the people on that call who said like, look, the difference is I'm choosing to take a group of friends for my 50th birthday and I could yep. go anywhere and I'm choosing to take them to Fiji. Yes. And then you made another comment, which is one of my favorite comments ever that either you or, you know, people that flew there to avoid uh, Valentine's day, you left on I the did. 12th. I did. That yes. was a group of girlfriends. And two- <laughs> I was like, that's the funniest story. You have to we share. were all just a little bit unhappy in our relationships. And now kind of looking back on it, those relationships are all over. So maybe we knew something. But we left LA on February the 13th. Okay. And then because you crossed the dateline, we landed on the 15th. So we called it the anti-Valentine's Day trip in Fiji. <laughs> And it was just six girlfriends. We had the most amazing time. And I'm telling you, for any of you ladies who would love to travel, Fiji is super safe, number one. I mean, just, just, 
you wouldn't even, I, I don't even lock my room when I'm in Fiji and it, whatever. It's just super safe. It's, it's not a place where you look over yeah. your shoulder ever at all. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be stupid, but it's not that kind of place. Right. Right. But ladies. Okay. Oh, the Fijian men are so gorgeous. <laughs> that makes it all better. And, and, and look at, is. they, they, they embrace a woman of a certain size. Mm. Right. Oh, I like that. I on my, my first size. on my first trip to Fiji with Tourism Fiji, I was sitting and having lunch at the beautiful uh, Tokariki Island Resort out in the Mamanusa mm. Islands. Absolutely stunning island. And I was having lunch with their absolutely stunning Fijian resort manager. Don't remember his name, but man, he was six foot six of nothing but mm, yummy. Kula. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we'd finished lunch and he insisted that I, I try their um, special ice cream dessert. And to be honest, I'm not a big sweet eater and I, I'm not a big ice cream eater. But oh. anyway, I took a couple bites. It was delicious. And I pushed it away and he looked at me and he said, Miss Ruth, finish your ice cream. It's good for your figure. Oh, and, you said, and I thought about it married tomorrow. Right. And I said, excuse me, I need to tweet this out. <laughs> very unhappy women like i have found paradise right especially uh, living in la and moving well, there exactly hello so yeah, anyway, like, it's 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 my girls i went down there with six girlfriends um that's and amazing we just had an amazing time and yeah. you know the other thing about being in fiji is music and dancing is just it's ubiquitous it's part of everyday life and they loved us because we got to the resort so you land at six in the morning in fiji and you're you're, the airport's small it's all enclosed air conditioned super comfortable arrival you're out in an hour if it's a busy day right Right, right. we were up at our resort by nine o'clock in the morning and so we ordered a bottle of champagne with breakfast and then then they they knew they the stage was set it was on and by lunchtime, we were dancing to the, the house band. And that Ooh. was it. I mean, anyway. I what love a memory. That good times. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, I love that because I do sell a lot of all-inclusives, right? I, I And I understand the whole theory of why people want that. I've done it myself. Um, my husband's a diver. I mean, we always, I always tease him about this. I'm like, because Stu has said to us over and over, he's like, you just don't know. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I don't care. He's like, I don't care that you've gone to Grenada. You don't know, but I love the all inclusive, but I always tell my husband, I go, what I miss out a lot of times when we go on vacation is we don't get to see everything. So even when we went to Hawaii this last time, last week, I love that we had our Jeep. We got out, we went to local restaurants. We got to meet people. I got to one of the guys that was there in Hawaii was telling us how his family was from uh, Japan and they, they moved there in a plantation in the 1800s. We'd just gone to Pearl Harbor. We were hearing all about the history and I'm like, wow, I want to, I want to know people. Yes. I love to sit my ass down on the beach and be served and not do anything and read a book. But I also want to be a part of something because that's where my heart is changed. And that's what draws me to Fiji. And that's why I want to go with you because I think we would take over the world. I'm just laughing because in Fiji, what would happen is it like you're lying on the beach and you've ordered a cocktail, right? And your little Fiji, the Fijian guy would walk out with your cocktail. And what he'd do is sit down in the sand and talk to you for 20 minutes and get to know you. Oh my God. I mean, it's not, it's not. It's not unusual for a maid in Fiji if you're in your room while you're while she's cleaning your room, she will just sit down and chat with you and ask you questions about your family. And and it's not a big thing. Like it's yeah. encouraged. It's encouraged. And um you so another thing about Fiji is when you build a resort there, you're usually required to employ uh, local villagers to work at the resort. So a lot of times you're working with family members, you know, the bartender is actually your maid's son. You know, when, when times are better and we can go back into the villages, one of the best right. things to do is go to the local village and, you know, meet the children of yeah. um, the woman who's been cleaning your room. And wow. it's so family focused. So here's my question for you. And I know we can go back to it, but what do you think the hardest part coming into this job, working with the tourism board, is it yeah. educating? 
uneducated people about Fiji or is it keeping Fiji in the dialogue? Is it, what do you, what do you think it is? But then I guess I don't know how you went from Kentiki to Fiji yeah. also. So, so it's a great question because the first part of my career, I went from Kentiki to another Australian tour company called Australian Pacific Tours, which is like the Tauk Tours Ooh. of Australia. So a very okay. high end luxury program. Um, and I, we, we did um, inbound and outbound Australia, New Zealand and North America. So then I segued more into a wholesaler. I was the marketing manager for Qantas Vacations. Oh. And then I went to work for the Hong Kong Tourism Board. So that was my first foray into government work. Big, big difference working from, you know, private sector and going into government work. So, um, you know, number one, my job is twofold. So, yes, in in my facing to the trade here in North American consumers, it's that constant challenge to remain top of mind and engage people in what is a very noisy and very expensive media market. And we really have a, a very modest budget compared to a lot of our competitors. Sure. Our distribution is also really, really, really fragmented. There isn't one person that sells or one company that's selling more than, you know, a couple of percent of our overall arrivals. Oh, so okay. it's just, you know, America, cause I look after Canada as well. So it's just a big ass place with a lot yeah. of people. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's one side of it. But then on the other side, you know, my ultimate boss is the Fijian government. Right. And so, um, and working with any government, there is a lot of transparency and protocols and mm. forms that have to be oh, bureaucracy prove that you didn't have to fill out the other form, um, you know, and it's all just civil service and ensuring that exactly. the ways in which we're spending the Fijians hard earned tax dollars, that we're doing it in right. a fair and equitable way. So there's a lot of back office stuff that I don't think people realize that that the tourism boards really right. spend a, a good deal of their time managing as well as the forward facing activities that we do you know with consumers and trade partners mm -hmm. I didn't even know so it's you not just all sell I mean there yeah. is actual government okay. type okay. work that you do well I mean the administration of what we do is is probably equal or greater to our actual marketing efforts yeah you I didn't know, even know you were part of the government. Yeah, so we're 100% funded by an annual grant by the Fijian government. So there's other DMOs, there's other models on how, you know, tourism boards can be funded. A lot of them, it's based on a tax revenue, 1% on all bed taxes collected, that sort of thing. But gotcha. um, Tourism Fiji is is an annual grant by the Fijian government. And, and look, the Fijian government relies on tourism. It's the largest contributor to the GDP at 40%. Yeah. You know, followed followed by bottled water and um, you know fishing and sugarcane farming la la la. It's been a really difficult conversation for our government to figure out you know the best way right. to go forward. So yeah. Well, is there a job that you have not done that you wish you could do? Yes. You want to be president of the United States? Oh God, no! Oh, <laughs> oh, oh God, oh, no. it's so no, complicated. No, no, no. Like, like, yeah, no. There's a small resort for sale in Fiji in the Mamanutha Islands, which I can't afford because oh, whatever. Coulter, will you buy it for her? Well, listen. So you asked me what my dream job was: is for somebody to call me up and say, "Ruth, we've just bought this little resort, and we want you to turn it into the hot new surf resort in the Mamanuthas," and I just want to. Mm -hmm live down there and help the surfers in and out of their wetsuits every day. Yes, I can come and help you. You'd be welcome, Susan. I was thinking of one of my um, ways to sort of crowdsource this would be to sell timeshares to sure. people who just want to come down and Stay <laughs> well, for a week or two there, really. and you know help out behind the bar if you know what There's I mean. There's two ways to sell this, right? I've got this. We get the husbands who are divers and then we're called the dive widows can volunteer to help while the divers are diving. Perfect. With the surfers. Perfect. Yeah. Because I tell Perfect. my husband, I go, look, I love you, but there's nothing wrong with eye candy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is, they get way better eye candy in the 50s for women than we ever get for men. So I'm appreciative. I appreciate God's gift to this earth. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I love Coulter's face. <laughs> Honestly, a dream not going to answer the phone anymore. That's the feeling I get. He's going to be like, deny. 
Um, that would be fantastic. I would never, ever, ever want to own a hotel. I've decided I don't enjoy managing other people. I like me, myself, and I. That is she, a she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to own a hotel. She wants to make sure the surfers are having a good time. Right. Ruth, how many times have you been to Fiji in your life? Do you know? Oh, pro- I mean, probably 20. Okay. Close to that. Yeah. Um, luckily, when I worked for APT, we did, we took North Americans down. We kind of opened up Australia, New Zealand to a lot of the very first American visitors who went down there. Um, okay. And we did New Zealand, Australia, and Fiji. So I was responsible for, for Fiji as part of that role too. So it was lucky I got a, you know, Touchdown in the islands every once in a while, which was great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. How have you How have you been able to navigate your career the way you have? Like, has it all Has it been a connection? Has it been you just sort of meet somebody? Like, you've had you've had a you've had some fascinating experiences. I'm just wondering, like, how you've been able to do that and then get to where you are. Um, look, I mean, I was on a Gray Line tour guide, and I met some Contiki passengers on a tour, and they said, "Hey, mate, you ought to check out this company called Contiki. You'd love it." <laughs> so I, I called them up, and I had a job. And then from Contiki, basically, I just found the job with APT, and I think that was something that was listed or posted. I mean, that was back in you know, yeah. It's been relatively continuous. I had a little bit of a rough patch, I think, as some people did after nine eleven in trying yeah. to, you know, work in the travel industry, but otherwise it's been a good, and here I'll give you an example. When I worked for Qantas Vacations, at that point they introduced their Asia program and I worked for them as their, I was marketing manager, then I became PR partnership manager, but I got to know a lot of the Asian DMOs, right? Yeah, as yeah. I put this program together and when things changed at Qantas Vacations because of some downsizing, one of the people I knew from Hong Kong called me and said, we've got this role that would be absolutely great for you. So again, sometimes like getting into travel, like you got to start as a gray line tour guide and then you just sort of work your way up once you get into the field. Um, Yeah. It looks a little small sometimes in the travel world. I realize that that doesn't include like pilots and people work at hotels, but in the, the our side, you'll find that you'll meet someone yeah. and go, oh, they've worked at this line. Like they start working in the same field. And yeah. I think if you've done a good job or you, you know, people have good reputations. Coulter has a good reputation. I was talking about him this week. I was probably saying that he doesn't answer the phone, but I wasn't saying that. I was just, but people do like, I'm like, oh, I do a podcast with Coulter. They're like, oh, I really like Coulter. And Honestly, they're like, the people have a reputation. I mean, I really hope I do. I mean, I don't typically ask people what they think about me, but that's part of what you learn in a job is Mm. how do you handle phone calls? How do you, culture does work really hard. We answer our phone. How do you respond to people? How do you respond when I call? We laugh and joke, but you still answer. You still respond. People have integrity. They don't go, oh man, I hate that person or whatever. And then there are people that you go, you know, I'm not doing business with them anymore. Mm. I'm not, I can't work with them the way that they handle things. And that says a lot about who you are, Ruth, which I love. That's why I absolutely love working with you. But that also says a lot about the people that you recommend us to for a tourism board. You guys are not supposed to have favorites. We always right. Well, yes, no, I don't have any favorites. I love all of my Fiji family. Right. But there are people that like, people will be like, okay, we don't have favorites, but we know that you work with people. And we always ask for like, okay, if we were going to do this or whatever, you know, and so that's the same thing with me. I'm like, you know, I I can sell any hotel in Mexico, but there's some that I'm like, I'm not doing a destination wedding with them. Well, yeah. And I mean, it doesn't behoove me to recommend a product that isn't a good fit, you know? So ultimately the last thing I want to do is to have you send somebody to Fiji and them not have a good time. I mean, that's just that's bad, bad, bad down the line. So, you know, the part of the struggle with Fiji is that there's 333 islands and we have a plethora of resorts. There's only a handful. There's, you know, half a dozen that are big international brand resorts that people would recognize. The rest are all mostly family or locally owned resorts of 25 rooms or less. So, you know, part of our opportunity is to educate people on where to go. like what's best right. for me? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we love to help people find the exact right place to go. And there's there's resorts that I personally don't 
love, I don't enjoy that much, but for the right client, I would say this place is perfect for you. Right. You right. Love it. You know, what, one of the reasons that you see, I mean, I'm sure people come for any reason, but what, what are like the main reasons people choose to come to Fiji? Yeah. Great question. Cold. I mean, romance, honeymoon, obviously. And then this is from North America specifically. So romance, honeymoon. And then of course your, your divers and your surfers who are, you know, serious after that, it's, um, just people who are looking for something that's a little bit more authentic than a Hawaii experience, you know, Again, back to the fact that most of our resorts are fewer than 25 rooms. I was I was not laughing, but I, I took some notes when Susan was talking about Hawaii and she said, oh, the water was cold and she didn't like that. So just to remind everybody that the water temperature in Fiji is a steady 75 to 80 year round. Oh, come on. Okay. Oh. No, I'm serious. Um, and then you said, oh, and we loved it because there were no crowds and no lines. And I'm laughing. I'm like, well, that's just Fiji every day. Because, when you're staying, you know, when you're staying at a resort with 25 rooms, there's a maximum of 50 people and that's at 100% right. occupancy. So, the, you know, this is one of the things that I always love. Right. Uh, Americans get to Fiji and the Fijians always say, oh, it takes the Americans and the Germans an extra day to kind of understand Fiji time, right? And I laugh. Right. But but I, I flew up to this little tiny 12-room resort up off of Taviuni and I had this honeymoon couple. The groom, you know, he was asking me, should we do, should we do the dolphin snorkel? Should we do the private picnic? Should we do this? And I go, yeah, do everything. It's great. So later on, I caught up with uh, the manager and I said, how did my little couple do with check-in? He says, oh, Miss Ruth, this guy, he wanted, he said, Tuesday, we want to do the dolphin safari. On Wednesday, we want to do the snorkel dive. And I had to say to him, mate, you don't need to tell me when you want to do it. On Tuesday, when you wake up, whatever you want to do, we can do it. That's amazing. You don't have to pre-book stuff, you right, know? Which it's is like, not, we're not used to that in this world. No, no, not at all. And and everything's free. I mean, you want a kayak, it's free. You want a stand-up paddleboard, it's free. No way. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. we don't charge for that stuff. Snorkel equipment, it's free. The only yep. time you have to pay is if you're taking a, a motorized boat out or you need scuba tanks or, unfortunately, yep. if you need your back yep. rubbed. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> That and gosh darn it, they still charge me for my champagne. Um, but, but back to amazing. The, the original question, and this is a new demographic that we're definitely going to be targeting in the post-COVID world, and that is multi-generational family travel. Yes. Yes. So um, Aussies and Kiwis have been taking their kids to Fiji for, for, for decades, yes. generations. Yep. Yep. And the family product that Fiji has is unlike anything on earth to yep. the point that young children are just given a nanny when they arrive. The little kids Unbelievable. get a bula buddy. There's a saying that in Fiji, a child's feet never touch the ground. Wow. Because children are just so beloved, they get passed around. And I mean it literally. I've seen babies in the dining room who the, the, the hostess will pick them up and start playing to them and pass them on to the bartender. And then, you know, they're like, well, where's the kid? And they're like, oh, I don't know. The sous chef had him last. And nobody's really concerned because they're just having fun. So amazing children's programs. And we do have um, a number of resorts that have got some great villas and residences that would be just perfect for... My generational trip. Yeah. You know, so grandma and grandpa could be in one villa with the <coughs> adult daughter that yeah. never married. And then there's the, the son with his unruly teenagers, one house down, that sort of thing. So lots of options. But we really think, you know, his families are willing to travel a little bit further afield. Um, yeah. But we do we do know that families will be some of the first people to start traveling uh, when, you know, we can all start traveling again. So that's something we're going to, we're going to target. Well, and there's some great deals. I'll say that right now. Cause like Nanuku, I love my Aberge rep yep. and I love that. And they, that is one of those for families oh, and yeah. honeymooners, right? Yep, so they were including the meals. They could have this beach front with a private pool. And I mean, unbelievable price. Yeah. And I was like, people don't, and me trying to explain that again and trying to show people, okay. Yeah. And um, at Nanuku, included in that price is also you get a Ula buddy that looks after all of your activities outside mm -hmm. your room. And then you get a, oh, a Bula nanny 
who is basically your butler who looks after every, all of your needs inside. And that's all part of the price. And if you've brought kids, you can drop them off with some Bula buddy. And trust me, your kids don't want to see you during the trip either. How far is it from LAX, Ruth? It's a 10 hour overnight flight, Coulter. So super easy because the flight also leaves at about, it's 11 or 1130 at night, depending at the on yep. the time of year. So you get to LAX, you have a little dinner, you have a little cocktail, you get on board the aircraft. Um, I take what is technically called a Shambian, that's Shambian and Ambien. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. Technically called? Oh, Shambian. <laughs> I've never heard that term. Oh, my that, God. That is a copyrighted term. But, you know, I mean, by the time you get on board and you have another meal and another drink right. and then you right. fall asleep, and honestly, they're waking you up for breakfast right and you land in fiji at six in the morning basically get on board go to sleep wake up and you're gonna land at six in the morning and you can be out on an island having a champagne and papaya breakfast by eight o'clock yeah ruth can i just ask you what happened in cairo well, a lot happened in Cairo, but I'm just trying to think, how does Coulter know about Cairo? I went to Egypt in 1991 or two with my best friend and with the man who was my partner for the next nine years and who very sadly I lost to cancer when he was way too young. So anyway, but the three of us, we went on a Kentucky tour to Egypt and there were a number of things that happened in Cairo. So let me think of the one experience that I can actually speak. Oh, I know which one I was talking about. (laughs) Last day in Cairo, last day in Cairo, the, the tour was over and everybody was off doing their own thing. And we wanted to go to the Coptic Museum and BK, BK was my partner, uh, an amazing man. He also worked for Contiki. He was six foot four, former football player. Yes, we were a strange looking couple because I'm only five foot three, but just an amazing spirit, an amazing spirit. And today's his mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mary Ellen. Anyway, so we decided we're going to take the subway to the Coptic Museum. And BK decided that he could translate enough Arabic to get us to the Coptic Museum. So we get on the subway and we're riding and we're riding and we're, we're on it for kind of a long time. And we're, we suddenly figure out we're probably not where we're supposed to be. So oh we get God. off and there's five of us in the group. It's me and BK and my friend Elaine and this Australian couple we'd, we'd met on the trip. Anyway, we realized we've gone outside the city. We're in some neighborhood where we probably shouldn't be. So we get back on the train and we head back into Cairo. Well, now it's lunchtime. And as the train goes into the city, the cars of the train start filling up. And I mean, filling up and filling up like (laughs) Tokyo type filling up. Do they have air conditioning? uh, At this point, I didn't really care. I was just more... Uh, Overwhelmed yeah, by all the people. It's just like I, I'm, you know. So we realize this is the stop where we need to get off. This is finally BK figures out what Coptic Museum in in in, Ara- in Arabic looks like. Anyway, so we go to get off, but we realize there's five of us getting off, and there's probably five hundred people trying to get on at this oh stop. Oh my gosh. Right? So BK, being the God-loving big football player he was, we formed this human chain, and I had my arms around his waist, and he had his, you know, it was just as a caterpillar, and we pushed our way off of that train. Well, then we went to exit the subway station, but because we'd gone too far out of the city, we were under fare on our ticket, so the tourist police came and arrested us. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, we spent the next hour in a tourist police station because they kept demanding us to give them our passports and we were all not that stupid and we refused to hand over our passports. So it just became the conversation about how much bakshish is it going to cost us to get out of this. And BK, meanwhile, keeps saying, let's just run and jump the turnstiles. And oh I'm my like, God. Do not run and jump the turnstiles. No, so anyway, no, no, bad I have to say Egypt was definitely, definitely one of the the best trips I ever took. It was because I was with two people that I dearly, dearly love, but also just because Egypt is one of those destinations where um, other than the cars on the road and that sort of thing, if you you kind of close your eyes, it's exactly like it was 2000 years ago. Yeah. 
And, and certainly the monuments of Egypt, when you look at Abu mm -hmm. Simbel that was built 4,000 years mm -hmm. ago and designed right. in such a way that on the birthday of the Pharaoh, his face is illuminated at the hour of his birth, you sort of go, you know, my 80 years here on earth are somewhat insignificant in the great right. uh, scheme of things. But loved right. Egypt, I would totally go back to Egypt, you know, when, when safe and appropriate to go. Um, highly, really loved it. Great, great, great trip. Yeah, Thanks my for reminding me of that. That's been a long time since I've, I've thought about that. That was an awesome story. Thank you. That is oh, you're welcome. freaking you're fantastic. Welcome. Yeah. We have loved this. What we're, well, how we end our uh, podcast is we play a game, and I get the joy of having you on my team this time, and then Coulter thinks he's going to stump us. We don't know if Coulter's still winning, because I doubt it. We do a question, and then you and I are a team, and then if we get it wrong, he gets a point. If we get it right, I get a point. And so I'm okay. counting on you. Oh. To what help me What are these questions about? Well, because of you being our very special guest today, you know, representing uh, Tourism Fiji, I thought, why not go with Fiji Fun Trivia? Excellent. Okay. Gosh, the pressure's on. Okay. So, Fiji was a colony of what country from 1874 to 1970? Britain. I would correct. say I concur. Great That's correct. Yes. She said it while you were in the middle of the first word. So yeah, went, that was easy. It was like Jeopardy first round. <laughs> that was easy. That was an down. easy one. Good warm-up. Warm yeah. <laughs> yeah, way, way, to, way to represent okay. Fiji. Right, okay, what 2000 Tom Hanks movie was filmed on the Fijian island of, I'm going to mess it up, but it, is it uh, Monoriki? Castaway. Uh, filmed on Moondreaky Island, and you can actually—it's um, a—it's a great facts, fun facts here. Moondreaky is um, a deserted island, sort of split in two by a large rock formation, and the leeward side is a beach where you can have private picnics and snorkel trips. But the side that faces out to the ocean is actually where the survivor tribes stay during the oh, oh wow uh, part. So then and it was. What's really funny is I've been at a cocktail party on that island and I walked as far around as I could. You know, you really can't get yeah. from one side to the other. But we stood there and we yelled, we have cocktails. <laughs> fun, fun movie. Okay, so Fiji is comprised of more than 300 islands and over 500 small islets in the South Pacific Ocean. What is the name of its largest island, which is also the location of the country's capital, Okay, let me is think if I can. Suva? Yep. What is the name of its largest island? You could just say it. Viti Levu. It's correct. So, uh, and I'll give you a little Fijian lesson here. So, Viti, V-I-T-I, is the Fijian word for Fiji. Yes. Okay. And Levu means big. So, Viti Levu means big Fiji. Oh. Our, second large, our second largest island in the north, I hope this isn't one of the questions, is called Vanua Levu, and Vanua means land, so it means big land. Big land. Oh, I thought it meant, like, second best. <laughs> no, big land. That's awesome. So fun, fun fact, VT Levu is around the same size as the largest Hawaiian island. Yep. Which and, is... And the big Manu island. Levu is also um, similar in size to Maui, and it's also similar in geography to Maui. It's our tropical island. It's where the rainforest meets the reef. So Vanua Levu is much greener and rainforesty than you find down on VT Levu. And you guys are crushing it on this trivia today. Give me a hard one. I got the right person on my team. Unbelievable. Ask um, me the, yeah, go ahead. There are many traditional crafts that have remained popular in Fiji. Women often make tapa cloth, which yep. is used for clothing and blankets. Yep. What is it made of? Oh, uh, it's a beaten bark. I've got one I'm going to show you right. <laughs> wow. We have show and tell on this show. You can't see it. There it oh, is. Oh, look at that. But there's my bark cloth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Culture, you look so defeated. You're like, Fine. I mean, she's she's clearly an expert. I mean, <laughs> and, and look at 
I, I figured out what Toke Laon is. That's the language that's spoken out in the, the Toke Lao islands. Okay. So I did let Toke Lao come up. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Lao group is the group of islands out on Fiji's <coughs> eastern shore that is highly undeveloped and really not visited. Um, the, the Laos. There's a yeah. few amazing resorts out there, um, like Vatuvara, which is where Harry and Meghan went. Mel Gibson oh. owns an island out there. Um, He's got but, problems. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so the problem children go out there, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Now, Coulter, since we're killing it, you can ask us another question for yeah. fun, but I won't take credit because I don't want you to feel bad. Okay. Which, <laughs> what, what, what is the disease that caused the death of about one third of Fiji's population in 1875? Ooh. Ooh. That's a specific one. Sorry. Okay, we'll think dengue? of 1865. What was it? What'd you say? I said dengue fever. I mean, I it's it, malaria, it, but go for it. It could be, but the answer, answer is measles. Oh, oh, okay. So infected passengers came yeah. from Fiji, uh, came to Fiji from Australia. Bloody Aussies, anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you guys crushed it. Well, thanks. Yeah, you are amazing. You are amazing. You know so much. I mean, we joke about it, but honestly, that's why you do such a good job at your job is that you really do know what you're selling. Your passion comes through. When people are looking to want to go there, you're the first person I want to talk to because if I've not been there, even if I have, I want to ask someone, okay, hey, people want to renew their vows. Uh, people want to do this. People are getting excited. They want to go back. What could they do? Um, which is different. So, um, no, I, this is, I, it's such a joy and I honestly can't wait to meet you in person I know. Um, and hear more of your story. Oh, hell, I'm flying to Phoenix. Perfect. I gotta get out of, room. I gotta get out of LA. I'm telling we you. We have a guest room. You're welcome anytime. Perfect. All right. And we've lots well, of Dan. Dan sounds like my kind of guy, actually. He's awesome. He's a lot like Coulter, actually. He's very actually, kind. Actually, I think Dan, Dan would be mortified to go out with you and me together. He'd probably be like, and we're drunk, even if we weren't. So he's, and here's the thing is, I always tell him, I go, were you unsure of this 30 years ago? Was the, was I a diff, was like, was I vague? Were you like, I don't know. <laughs> I go, or is this who I always am? And I, you know, when people meet me, I'm like, I think I was the same person you met me a year ago. But no, he's a great guy. Um, we've been together for a long time. You're always, always welcome. I always say that to culture. I just don't think I have enough towels in my house <laughs> for culture. For culture. <laughs> this has been fascinating. I want to hear more of your stories. Um, I love that you worked your way up and you've gone and done your passion, which I think is so important. This is such a great job to be a part of, and you've been able to do your passion and it shows and you're a joy to get to know. So I thank you for being on here. Our next one is going to be Chris Kennedy. So here's the fun thing is Chris Kennedy is a pilot with United Airlines. He was my husband's friend from high school. And my husband and Chris were actually going to go down to Douglas, Arizona. That's where Chris went. But they were going to go down there and Dan was going to be a mechanic for airplanes. And Chris became a pilot. And he worked his way up through America West. And then he has been flying with United for a long time. I mean, put it this way. His wife was one of the first people I called on 9-11 because he was flying. Mm. Um, and he's now is on 737s. He used to be on larger aircraft and he's moved down. He's fascinating, his job and stuff. So it's always fun for me. That's something that I would love to get my license on. And he wanted to be a pilot since he was a kid and he did it. And you don't meet a lot of people right now who are pilots. Yeah, I love to talk to him about airplane crashes. Surprisingly, he doesn't like to talk about those. Uh, I would guess not. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, we don't really study those. I'm like, oh my God, my second job outside being a DJ is to work for the NTSB. He's like, great, let's not talk about those. I'll sit there at dinner and be like, and then this happened. And then this, and he's like, Susan, I got to get an aircraft tomorrow. I'm like, okay, we'll not talk about that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so he's Dan's friend. So he'll be on our next podcast. Ruth, we are going to have to have you back on and hear more of your fun stories about Kentucky and these crazy <laughs> people that travel. Uh, would love to, Susan. And thank I'd love you, it. Coulter, for having me. Really See, cool. love it. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Vinaka Vaka Levu. And you know, with the Levu at the end, it means thank you very much. You're amazing. Wonderful. We'll chat again. God, she knows great. everything everything about Fiji. Well done, you guys. 
The Backstage Travel Podcast is hosted by Susan Green and Coulter Fleming. Editing, producing, and managing by Mackenzie Green. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Visit our Facebook page and send us your travel stories at info at backstagetravelpodcast.com. Susan and her team at Susan's Travel Services have a passion for what they do and want to get you to your dream destination. They're so dedicated to giving you the experience of a lifetime that they'll help you at no cost. To learn more, find them online at Susan's Travel Services.com.